Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to Podcast 183. This is Kurt Mortensen, Steve Olson, still on sabbatical. Don't know what's up with him, but we'll figure that one out as we take a deep dive into emotional, persuasive hijacking today. Have some fun with that. We've got blunders. We've got geeky articles, fun stuff to make sure you can learn to persuade with power and make the world a better place. We're not asking for a lot here. Just go out there, do it, learn the skills. Let's have some fun with it. Hope everyone's having a great week. It's spring break for me and my kids, and so we're hanging out, having some fun. And it's always good to do that this time of year when it's warming up a little bit and getting rid of those winter blahs. So I'm excited about that. And, of course, make sure you like us on iTunes, like us on Facebook. We're at Maximize Your Influence. Just like us in general. It's always good to be liked. And, of course, InfluenceUniversity.com is our 52-week Ph.D. program. Check it out. So something a little different, a little unique today. I'm going to do two articles, and since Steve Olson's not around, I'm going to use his geeky article sound. <laughs> and here's the one I'm trying to get across. Or maybe you just want them together. <laughs> Let me know. You can always email me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, and I usually reply. I enjoy feedback, and... And I want to say I appreciate all the good feedback we've been getting as we put together these shows. So the articles I'm going to pull from are going to be from Journal of Abnormal Psychology, My Research, Dr. Gerald Schoenwolf, hopefully I got that one right, and Dr. Jonas Webb. And I'll put these links on the website at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And of course you can get the archives at InfluenceUniversity.com. So... Housekeeping out of the way, let's take a deep dive into that emotional hijacking because we know most of persuasion involves emotions, but let's back up and take a look at something really interesting. Now, the title is Most People Have Mental Illnesses, which is interesting. And someone else took that and said, if you live your life without mental issues, science says you're the weird one, saying we all have issues and we have to deal with people with issues. And we always think it's other people with issues, but it could be us with the issues. Here's what it found. 83% of the subjects reported depression, anxiety, other mental health disorders, and revealed that roughly 41% of the respondents had suffered some mental disorder. Sometimes short-term, but sometimes it was long-term. We all have issues we need to deal with. Now, on a side note, I help out with uh, college students. I help them with other issues, not just teaching them, but with anxiety, depression, and other issues. And some people are saying, well, it's higher than ever before. And some people are saying, well, no, people are more open to reporting it. Because I think a lot of us grew up like, yeah, you were not supposed to be sad. Don't be depressed. Be happy. Even though you weren't, a lot of people didn't report it. And that's part of the issue here. Dr. Schoenwolf said that when he's done this research, he's found that most people have a mental illness, but they just don't report it. See, people who have these disorders make up excuses why it's okay, it'll go away, it's reasonable. Uh, social stigma might be an issue. And we know the challenge with this is that mental illnesses have been shown to involve not only mental, emotional, and behavioral deviations, but they also lead to physical illnesses. And so we've learned a lot about the human brain. In fact, one study shows that emotions can be addicting. When you feel an emotion like anger or depression, it releases what's called neuropeptides into your bodies, and 
Some people with addictive personalities can be addicted to emotions. Message being, we all have issues, other people have issues. We need to learn to address those issues and not say, you shouldn't have an issue. <laughs> Did you catch that? You shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be worried, you shouldn't be upset. They are. We have to deal with them as a persuader. We can't say, I'll come back later. Well, I guess you could, but a lot of times you don't have that opportunity. Let's juxtapose. Hey, there's the word for the day. It's with this other article on dealing with toxic people. Because a lot of times that toxicity comes from bearing emotions, depression, anger, guilt, frustrations. And we have people that we need to persuade people that we work with, people in our family maybe, that are very toxic, very angry call them parasites, they suck the life out of the living dead, whatever you want to call them, there are people out there we have to deal with. Well, they shouldn't be that way. Well, maybe. We're not going to go down that route. They are. Right? We deal with reality. Not wishful thinking, but reality. So Dr. Webb talks about, well, how do you know if this person's toxic to you? And toxic is someone that uh, just you don't want to talk to, that sucks the life out of you, that makes you feel inferior, that you just don't want to be around. And here are the signs she talks about. So when you see the person, you come away feeling down on yourself. You're plagued by guilt, maybe with something you did or did not do. They're the ones always getting their needs met, not you. You might feel manipulated or controlled. They might have hurt you, but then they expect you to act like nothing happened. Right? Just some big picture stuff there. So she gives us some strategies to deal with that person. Right? One is... Never let them pull you down to their level. If they're dealing with negative emotions and low self-esteem, that's a whole other issue, low self-esteem and ego, and you can listen to Podcast 164 if you want more information on that. When they're dealing with all these things, sometimes they're going to attack you, they're going to come after you, they're going to bully you. Sometimes that's what a toxic relationship is, is bullying. Don't let them pull you down. Just realize they've got issues, probably low self-esteem, probably not dealing with their emotions. They can have issues happening at home. When you can understand that they have issues and other things and why they're doing this, it's easier not to let them pull you down to their level. They want to pull you down, don't let them. The next one, which I love, is stop caring so much. Especially if you're a people person, amiable. Gotta have the relationship. Everyone needs to like me. Well, not everyone's going to. I know you want to. I know you want them to like you. But stop caring so much. This person is maybe not likable and they're not going to like other people no matter what you say or do. You're not going to win this situation. Then another one is, don't fall for their games of manipulation. See right through it. They're manipulating. They're trying to control you. They're trying to pull you down. And don't let them. When you think about teasing or even bullying, if they're not getting the result they want, a lot of times it might slow down or even stop. Now with that, you still want to be cordial. Still want to be nice. You're not saying, oh yeah, you're the low self-esteem person. Oh yeah, you can't deal with your emotions. Yeah, you're just toxic. Uh, that's never helped. So be cordial. Just understand what's going on. Distance yourself from the person if you can. And that's the thing with family members. Some family members just suck the life out of us. They pull us down, all the negativity. They're judging us on our past mistakes, on our future potentials. They're spitting on our dreams. I know it's real. You've heard me talk about Aunt Edna, who sits next to us at Thanksgiving and sucks the life out of us. Some people you can distance more than others. I get that. I understand that. But you have to be able to handle that. And if you go into that situation, know that they're going to rip on your goals or what you have did or did not do, but just kind of move forward, smile on your face. Knowing that you're in control, they're not going to pull you down. It's not going to work. And we have these toxic relationships. We have the people we need to persuade that are negative. So that's why I want to focus on this emotional persuasive hijacking. And there's some positive sides and negative sides of this. But I want to talk about how do you deal with these emotions? Because how many times have I said it that we are feeling creatures that think, not thinking creatures that feel? It's all emotion. 
hey, look what's happening with politics right now. It's not the facts or figures. It's whose side you're on. And if it's that side, they're bad. And if it's that side, they're good. You can say, come on, people, work it out. But they're not. They're just so divided emotionally that we have to learn how to deal with that. So let's talk about how to deal with that. We can deal with it using logic, but try that in a divorce situation. Because divorce logically is pretty simple. Okay, you get this, you get this, you get this, you get this. But when those emotions kick in... In fact, I was working with someone working on a foreclosure, and there was equity in the house, and then the husband and wife just walked away from it. They weren't going to talk to each other. He says, look, there's like $60,000 in equity. Let's each take 20000 But one of the spouses, I'm not going to name names, wouldn't sign it because that means the other spouse would get $20,000. Right? Makes no sense. Emotion. We're in the Middle East. Conflicts could be easily solved logically, but when you get hundreds of years of emotion and conflict and anger and resentment, it changes the playing field a little bit. So the first motion we need to be aware of is fear. And a lot of persuaders use fear to persuade the dentist, only floss the teeth you want to keep. Reality is, on a side note, we're only born with two fears. And those who have listened to the podcast know what they are. Fear of falling and fear of loud noises. And sometimes to solve fear, it's not always a logical-based solution. Like the story I've told before about my daughter always sleeping in her bed, monsters in her room, and Logical dad, no, no monsters. Look, you turn the lights on, so dad, the lights are on. Monsters are scared of lights. Okay, get a flashlight, closet under the bed. <laughs> no monsters, dad, that's a light. Like, okay, so I got some compressed air, wrote monster spray on it. I sprayed in the closet, I sprayed in the bed, <laughs> and it worked. So if you want to go into business with monster spray, let me know. We can make that one happen. But that's what fear is. The biggest blunder with fear is people just use way too much, especially when you deal with the teenagers whose brains aren't developed and driver's ed and death and drunk driving and texting and driving and dead bodies. And as adults, it scares the, the life out of us, but to them, it's not real. It doesn't happen to them. It happens to other people. It's fake. That's a challenge. And so the quantity of fear, the studies show that, yeah, pretty much in the middle, too little doesn't do much, too much has the opposite effect. So be careful for them that it scares them. So fear could be a really great thing, but it is abused and overused. And for some people, it's the only tool they have. You know, do it or you're fired. But a quick formula for fear, if you really want to use it the right way, make sure it's something unpleasant. Not to you. It can be, but to them. Is it unpleasant to them? Is it imminent? Asteroids are going to hit the Earth. Well, okay. A, I can't do anything. B, it's not. Who knows when that's going to happen? Is that imminent? It's got to be something that's happening soon. Fear is not something... 50 years down the road necessarily could happen now and are they capable of solving this is there a solution do they have the tools if you have a teenager that's not studying in high school oh you work at mcdonald's maybe they want to work at mcdonald's maybe that's not unpleasant to them maybe that's not imminent ah, they've got three years to turn things around in their mind are they capable do they know how to study do they know how to solve this maybe they just don't know how to study for tests right so that's something to think about then another big one we see is anger Anger is an interesting one. It's a secondary emotion, meaning the thing that we're really upset about it and showing that we're upset about can be two very different things. One roommate hits another roommate for eating their cereal too loud, other issues. Couples fighting over toilet seats and toothpaste, other issues. Okay, so it's fun for some people. It's addicting to some people, but it could really hijack your ability to persuade because when they're angry, blood leaves the brain. There's a physiological response. Blood leaves the brain, fight or flight, and they're not thinking straight. So here's some tools to handle anger. First thing is validate it. They're angry. All right, let's talk about it. Maybe find a common enemy. Yeah, the economy or the government or that other company. 
If you can find a common enemy that's not you or your company, yeah, go for it. Let them vent. Let them go through it. If it's minor anger, ask them a logical question. Get them thinking again. Get the blood back in the brain. Take a break. Walk in the sun. Go get something to eat. Get the blood back in the brain. Okay? Ask their opinions. Ask their advice. Blood back in the brain. Anything that's distracting. I've told this story before when we talk about negotiation, but these guys were arguing and they didn't even notice I came in. I was there to monitor the negotiation. There was a box of packing peanuts on top of the stairs and I kicked it down. Peanuts everywhere. They look at me like I'm dumb, which might be true. But it was enough time to get some blood back in the brain and get a little more control. So anger, got to deal with it. Got to deal with it. Because I've talked in other podcasts too about mood and how mood matters. People that are good mood, they recall good things. Why they like you, why it's going to work out. Bad mood, why they don't like you, why it's not going to work out. So when you're dealing with moods and emotions, you got to get them into a right state to persuade them. If you start vomiting on them when they're full of fear or anger or in a bad mood, it's not going to get you very far. Another interesting emotion is worry. Huh. When people are stuck in worry, sometimes they're very difficult to persuade. That's why they say they're going to do it later. So a couple of solutions for that one. Remember that worry is caused by indecision. So get them to make some minor decisions. When to meet next or what to eat or, or use a pen or pencil, anything. If you can get them to make decisions, little decisions, because you've been on a bridge before you get a jump or a cliff, well, assuming there's water in a fun way, and you're getting ready to jump, the more you think about it, what if, what if, what if, worry, 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 what if, what if, it's harder and harder to jump. So the sooner you get them to start making minor decisions, the worry starts to erode away. And part of it, too, is bring them to the future. Most of the worry is the past, something happened in the past, the past. There's some worry in the future, but what you want to do is get them past worry and build a picture of vision, the future. Get them to see, taste, touch, feel them using and doing what you're asking them to do because they're not going to do it unless they can see themselves doing it because when they're stuck in worry, they can't see themselves doing it. you got to help them see themselves doing it. And another motion, happiness. We all want to be happy. But happiness is an all-time low. We can spend a whole podcast on that. When they're in a happy mood, they're in a buying mood. They're easier to persuade. And it's a mindset for most people, just enjoying the journey, having a smile, and having that be contagious. Most people aren't happy because maybe they don't have purpose or passion in life. That's a big trigger. Biggest one I've seen is they have conflicting goals. Right? They want to be a great dad but they want to do good in business or a great mom they want to be a spiritual person and but they also want to be successful well you're like that's not conflicting well it is for some people money's the root of all evil i want to be successful right i know that doesn't conflict in reality but it does conflict for some people so conflicting goals can be real or perceived it doesn't matter if you have conflicting goals that triggers a lot of unhappiness to people but the main lesson here is get them into a happier state get them into a better mood, get them past fear, worry, and anger, and you become a much better persuader. So take that one to the bank. All right, so it's time for our friend Homer Go. Go, go, go. For those of you that are new to the podcast, that's our persuasion blunder with our friend Homer. And this one's a compilation of ones that I've been seeing. And, and since we're talking about emotions, validating people's emotion, this is real. Talking to a neighbor about a nice place at hamburgers, had sliders. It's pretty good. I like it. So I'm never going back. I went there and ordered food for my family. I picked it up. I got home. It was wrong. Wait, okay. He says, I called them, and they didn't seem to care. All right. Now, I know this has happened to you. 
or is that my favorite Brazilian restaurant? I get to Brazil quite a bit. This is where they just come to your table and they cut the meat, and they spilled all over my daughter. It was a week sorry, didn't really care, and it stained her shirt, pretty much ruined her shirt. Or something that happened to me, I was flying over, I believe it was Singapore Airlines, I want to say, but I'm a big guy, and my knee was in the aisle, and here comes this cart, and whack! Man, it hurt. <laughs> Woo! And she looked at me and said something like, come on, you know you're not supposed to have your knees in the aisle. Don't be dumb. I mean, a lot of pain. Now, probably true, I shouldn't have my knee in the aisle. People make mistakes at the burger place or food places, but people need validation. Apology is cheap. Say you're sorry. Didn't mean to. It's what they're looking for. Diffuse the situation. Otherwise, it's going to escalate to frustration, which frustration is unmet expectation, which escalates to anger. Why let it escalate? Manage their expectations. Don't let them get to frustration or anger. Say you're sorry. Try to make it right. Makes a big difference because all of these things nobody did on purpose. Right? That's probably the thing. I didn't do it on purpose. It's not my fault. It happened. But if you can handle it the right way, it makes a big difference in your success and your ability to persuade and influence. So, so take what you've learned today. Go out, master it, test it out on prospects and other people. And a quick note before we sign off, I do have a few spots open for coaching. I take a few people every year to coach and walk through, and I just have an opening. The way it works is email me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com and let's do a session together. Let's see if we're a good fit. Let me show you how I could take you to the next level. That's how it works. Send me an email and I'll let you know the rest. So lesson number one today, emotions are real. They can help or hurt your ability to persuade. So take these skills, master them, and go out and persuade with power. 